Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. For over a decade, Greg Lee served as the City of Riverside's Economic Development Manager. For 13 years, he served as the city's technology ombudsman, where, among other things, he spearheaded several of the city's technology initiatives. He hosted a weekly radio show and podcast called Explore Riverside Weekly that highlighted all the things that make Riverside a great place to live, work, and play. Then, in September 2015, a medical diagnosis took Greg and his then-fiancé on a major detour. Their compelling story teaches us so much about love, patience, determination, and faith. And I'm so happy to welcome to the podcast Greg Lee and his wife, Gina Lee. Hi, Greg. Hi, Gina. Thank you both for being here. Really glad to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Oh, wonderful. I want to start by asking you guys how you met and for you to describe how your romance blossomed. How did how did this Lee thing well, get going? Oh, that's funny. Because we met at work originally. Originally, she didn't want to talk to me. She was <laughs> on all the time. Right, Gina? Yeah, that's correct. We met through a mutual friend, and I had just gone out of a long-term relationship, so I wasn't really interested. But we started to hang out, and it's we slowly got to know each other through this mutual friend, through our Kim, our friend Kim, and um, it just went from there. It was unexpected, definitely. Yeah. Now, did you not want to? talk to him because you were at work and you were trying to keep, I know you said you just got out of a, another relationship, but also he was, he was a coworker, right? He worked in a different department and I worked in HR. Well, so. <laughs> Sorry. She thought that was. A Although I'm sure that made things interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Imagine. Well, but that's okay because love rules, but love wins. Right. So. Um, next thing you know, you become engaged. And Greg, you were doing a lot of great work at the city of Riverside. You had really become a major advocate for the city, helping residents appreciate uh, their town more, and also showing people outside of Riverside what the city had to offer. So y'all were living your lives, doing your thing, and then things changed. What happened? I'll let Gina tell the beginning. Because they don't remember how it all started. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so Greg doesn't remember getting sick, but um, in September of 2015, the weekend prior, we were celebrating my birthday in downtown. We lived downtown. We enjoyed, you know, going around, going to Fairmont Park, enjoying the summer activities, and he just began to feel ill. We thought it was maybe a a cold or a flu he had. And eventually they just progressed, his symptoms progressed and they got worse. So I took him to um, the emergency room and it all started there. They admitted him. They were trying to figure out what was going on. They admitted him for observation just based on his medical history. And um, they thought it was just the flu. And about three days into being admitted, he became very disoriented. And to the point where he started uh, looking underneath his bed and, and asking where his bank checks were. So I knew something was wrong there. 
And I brought it up to the nurse's attention, and that's where they immediately started to conduct some sort of tests to see what was going on neurologically with him, and they admitted him into ICU and eventually uh, induced him into a coma for about, I would say, about two weeks. We didn't know exactly what the cause of all this was, and to our surprise, we found out through a spinal tap that the doctor or that the hospital conducted that he had the West Nile virus. Wow. Wow. So two weeks of him in an induced coma, this was due to swelling um, on the brain. Generally, this is why this was why they'll do that. Doctors will do that. And so you're wondering, right? I mean, they're doing tests and, and, you, and you, you don't know. So how was that, that period for you? That must have been really tough. It was a scary experience. Fortunately, my immediate family, we've been blessed with good health. So to see everything transpire so quickly and then not knowing what exactly was going on, not having a diagnosis, and the doctors weren't very hopeful that Greg would make it just because of his history. He had two kidney transplants prior, and I guess from a medical pers- perspective, he, they didn't think he was going to make it, and we were told that. So it was very scary. I mean, to see him just laying there, it's something that I would not wish on anyone. No, no. And uh, gosh, that had to be really, really, really hard. I didn't realize that, um, Greg, you had had the, the other health situation. So that, that actually, that really exacerbated things. It, you it, know, it just, it just causes a lot of, lot of I concern. Yeah. Disease. I got two kidney transplants, and Legionnaire's disease. Legionnaire's is a form of mm-hmm. pneumonia. I was mm-hmm. there to come up for three mm-hmm. months. As they three wake months. up. Wow. As they wake up, but I kind of remember certain things. While I was in a coma, I had terrible mm-hmm. nightmares. Nightmare after nightmare. And then I woke up. Every again, a skilled care nursing facility where I spent 100 days there. 100 days, long days. When you woke up, I'm sure you were like, okay, what? <laughs> What's going on here? My mind was so messed up, Angela. Mm. My mm-hmm. mind was so Amazing. messed up. Amazing. Yet here, here you are. Follows. I used to fall asleep a lot. I had a hard time mm-hmm. telling the difference between what is real and what isn't real. What's a dream? What isn't? Mm. Well, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because one of the, the, the point in time was, that Greg says that he woke up was actually different from what I saw. So Greg waking up actually took place before he got into the nursing facility. Mm-hmm. And so he was, you know, visually awake. But I think like Greg is saying, his mind was just in a different place. Right, right. Just, just again, not being able to tell reality from from nightmares and, and dreams and, and other stuff. So did you feel, Gina, like you had the support that you needed during that time? I know you said the doctors were really trying to do everything they could, testing and, and all of the things they were doing to help take care of Greg. 
Did you feel like they were doing everything they could and that you had support from your friends and, and, and family? What, what was that like during that time? I did feel like I had support. Dr. Dow at Kaiser, he was the one that was very hopeful and optimistic. I think the nurses were wonderful. They took great care of Greg. But I did notice that other doctors just more so saw him as a statistic. They were just kind of in and out. So I did take it upon myself to really document things. And I was there pretty much every day with him. So I was able to see things that nurses and doctors didn't see. I had wonderful support from family and friends. They would come with me to visit Greg or just come Some by. Some of the doctors said I wouldn't make it. Yeah, there were a few doctors that didn't think that he would make it. There was an infectious disease doctor who told me that he would probably just be in a vegetative state for, for the remainder of his life. And when I heard those types of things, all I could do was pray that God had better plans for him. That Indeed. They did not have the final word. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, that's what it is. You know, there's no explanation. They can't figure out why, but prayer changes things. It, it, it does. So what was it? What do you think it is about yourself, Greg, that pushed through this? I mean, when you came out of the coma and then you had to go to the skilled nursing facility, I would assume that there was a, this is where your physical therapy began. And talk a little bit about that and, and how you felt. Did you feel, did you have the fight in you? Were you, were you afraid? I'm wondering what was happening with you emotionally during that time. Well, let me put it this way. My whole life changed. From one moment, seemed like to me, from one moment to another, it changed. I mean, not only to Casa Colina, I mean, Richie Kennedy, also another care nursing facility, Casa Colina, and then to another, Fathers, what gave me to it was faith. Faith, one day, that will come to an end. I had to keep that mess of that all the time and keep praying that this will come to an end one day. Keep on pushing hard work, hard work and patience. That's the motto of this journey. Hard work and and patience. Hard work and patience. And you had that in you and that determination. It, it, you know, they say your mindset really can affect your healing and your progress. And, you know, it's just so amazing to listen to you talk about that determination. So Gina, what were the kinds of things that were um, part of the program for Greg. I mean, when you come out of something like this, there's a lot. There's the physical therapy. I'm sure there was some other stuff going on. Talk a little bit about what was all that had to happen during this period. When he initially made it to the skilled nursing facility, he really couldn't move much. So they started off with just 
basic things like stretching his fingers, stretch, stretching his legs. They tried to do some things with him in therapy, but it was very minimal. And he was in a lot of pain. I think his muscles had atrophied a lot. He wasn't able to speak. So that was difficult, but we found ways to communicate, whether it was uh, writing things out, me asking him questions, yes or no questions so that he could nod. And so eventually what they did was they really worked and focused towards removing the, the trach that he was on for breathing and then his feeding tube. And it was just all a very slow, slow process. So you, you pray that thing. I always kind of see this. It, it would be nice to have a, an on and off switch, but this has really been a marathon. Yeah. And Greg really exemplifies patience. And I've, I've had to learn patience along with that. But the skilled nursing facility, they, their focus, like I said, was to take him off of those tubes. He was there for a hundred days and he didn't really make progress from a physical therapy perspective. We noticed once he, once he got home, there was more progress there in terms of his mobility. But it did require, he still required a lot of assistance, turning him um, in the bed in the middle of the night from side to side, things like that. So uh, just slowly, he started to regain movement. His legs were very, uh, what they call spastic. So they would just involuntarily move throughout the night. They'd start jumping. So that was something hard to understand. Yeah. And we couldn't, mm-hmm. we couldn't control it and neither could him. It, it was, mm-hmm. it had a lot to do with the reconnection of his brain to the body. But thankfully, when he came yeah. home, we found mm-hmm. a gym, a private gym that was willing to work with him. And they started to work on some simple things like grasping a pole, uh, working with therabands. He made a lot more progress once he started attending the gym. And then we went from there. So now he's up. Now he's able to mobilize in the wheelchair and move around. So we've definitely come a long way. Yeah. Greg, when you were doing the physical therapy and, and all this work, because it sounds like it was a real tough road, a, a, a slog, as some of us would say, what did you find the most challenging? I think the, the most challenging part was my speech. There was a time I couldn't be understood. That is very frustrating, especially for me, a guy like me who used to talk all the time. Think my job for the city of website involved talking. So for it to be gone, it's very frustrating. Even now, I don't sound like I used to, but I sound much better than before. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just amazing. And, you know, to, to see you here and, you know, you're doing your thing and thinking back on when doctors, some of them were ready to just say, you know, that's it. And you had this, this one physician you mentioned, Gina, who just um, really seemed to zero in on what was going on and had a, um, a different attitude about everything and um, saw something in Greg that just said, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to push. So I wanted to ask you both, you know, when, when people have these types of uh, experiences that really, really um, test you, they often talk about 
it either strengthens your relationship or it strains the relationship. It reveals things about you and it also uh, emphasizes different things in you. And, and I wanted to ask you guys, what did you see coming out of this, working through this together? Uh, Gina, you mentioned that you had to learn to be more patient. That was one thing. Was Were there other things about your relationship or individually that you learned or that got revealed in, in this circumstance? Do you want me to go first, Greg? Yes. What I learned about Greg is that he is a very determined man. He has had many challenges through this journey and he doesn't give up. As the, the wife, the partner, the, the caretaker at times, it's hard to remove yourself when you see somebody struggling with carrying out a simple task like maybe opening up a bag of chips. You just want to help them. So, I've, I've learned that I have to step back and allow Greg. So I, I learned that he is a very determined, very ambitious person too. And one thing that I do, I do appreciate and I'm very grateful for is that Greg's heart is still there too. He's still the same person. He may have physical limitations. He may sound differently. But he's still the same loving and wonderful man. And I'm very appreciative that God did not take that away from him. Oh. That's so beautiful. It's so moving me, to hear that e even today, you, that's still that, that feeling. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. You guys better stop this. Okay, Greg, what about you? Love. Has, how much Jen love Has me? your perspective changed about her. anything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I look like, like this. It could be much, much worse. I love Jesus so much. She, I tell her all the time. She could have left me when I was in a coma, but she didn't. This hasn't been easy on either one of us, but we keep going, and it shows, it shows how much I love her. That's what it does. Such an abiding, abiding love. Wow, you guys are a really wonderful uh, couple. A lot of people would be happier if they had that bond that the two of you have for each other, you know, and, and Greg, you're right. Um, you know, this is tough on everyone who loves you. It's, it's tough on you. It was tough on you because you were the one impacted directly, but your family, uh, your loved ones, uh, your friends, they, they were hurting along with you. And yet they also get to triumph with you because they see the two of you and how you've come through this uh, so strong and, and, and so loving with one another. What kinds of things are you doing now to just promote your own general well-being physically, emotionally, spiritually? What, what's life like these days? 
Well, since I'm not walking yet, we practice walking, practice getting on my feet, practice my independence back. That's what we do. That's mainly what we do. So I can so walk again. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's every day. Practice walking. Almost, yes. The, st- the stability and the mobility. Also other exercises. Like we bought this bike. So I ride the bike to get strength in my legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an exercise bike. It's great. Um, we also yeah. got a gym mat. So with the quarantine, with pandemic going on, Greg's certainly Ugh. considered high risk. So we can't uh, resume therapy back at the rehab hospital uh, because they are also inpatient. So I, I had to think of ways of how we can incorporate therapy here at home. We have we had some of the equipment mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic. And then I, I, I bought a, or we bought a gym mat, one that's used for uh, like gymnasts. It's like a padded one. So with our hardwood floors, we're able to lay it out and he can do some exercises on that. We practice walking with a, a walker, the exercise bike. We pray together at night um, as well. Greg does a better job than I do because I'm more of a go, go, go person. So he is great at meditating. I could probably learn from him, but I can't sit still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that has helped him <laughs> tremendously too from a recovery standpoint is mm-hmm. he takes the time to, to meditate a lot. There yes, used indeed. to be a time yes, where it took a bunch of people to nothing since I'm medically retired. I formed a company called Endurance Speaking. One day I'll go around the country and tell my story. Wow, that would be really awesome. What's the name of the, the company again? Endure Speaking. Tell people how to have faith and never give up hope. Such an enduring, powerful spirit and lesson for so many of us. You two are really an inspiration of and a reminder of goodness in the world. And this world is starving for for goodness. Yes, and this pandemic has isolated us so much. And it's just so good to to listen to the two of you and that you're so hopeful and so positive just going through, you know, your day to day. What advice would you have for anyone who's listening to this and is going through a tough situation. It it might be physical as yours was, Greg. It it might be something else. It might be emotional. What do you say? What would you say to someone to encourage them to help them keep going? No matter what you go through, never give up hope. Never give up faith. Don't give up. For me, it would, it would be, um, there's always something to be grateful for from little things to the simple fact of waking up each day, being able to eat, being able to see, 
being grateful. One of the things that I recall when Greg was in the hospital was being grateful for the hospital, for the doctors, for the nurses, for our health insurance. That was the way that I got through it, that I've gotten through it, is to always find something to be grateful for. Appreciate the little things. That's an amazing attitude. Because Mm -hmm. one day it might be gone. Well, you two are a big thing to appreciate. And uh, it's really been good um, to talk with you both today. I so appreciate you being on and sharing your story. So compelling. And I'm sure it's going to be helpful and and, and inspirational for, for others to hear you uh count your blessings thank you that's been be thankful for the small things that's been one of our prayer requests too yes and we're Mm. so thankful that we're able to share this testimony too as difficult as it's been and at times can still be our prayer has been that we're able to share this to help others awesome thank you so much you guys take care and uh, you too appreciate you being with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Angela Ross. Thanks for listening to SoCal Voices. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to contact us at SoCalVoices.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SoCal Voices.